What a promise. I'm back there just worshiping with you and couldn't wait to get out here. As we celebrate uh, Valentine's Day together, we also remember and reflect why we're here, and that's for God, the God of the universe, to somehow speak to us collectively. So let's pray and ask him to do just that today. Father, we come before you right now preparing our hearts, Lord, to, to open up your word and to let the living, breathing word of God speak to our lives on so many different levels, Father. And Lord, I know that it's not in my human strength in which I communicate. It's only through the power of your Holy Spirit that that your word, Father, through my mouth today will be able to target different hearts and lives. Father, I'm no one. I'm just a servant, an instrument, Lord, for you today. And so I pray that you would use me in the, the way you see fit. But Lord, as we just sang this song, Build My Life, it reminded me of last week's message that it's important in marriage that we have a, a loving commitment to one another as husbands and wives but how essential it is for us to keep you in the center of our marriage. It takes three, that three cord strand, Father, that's not easily broken. A loving wife, a loving husband, and a loving God. And so God, today I pray that we build upon that message and add to it today as we address the mess in this next part of the series. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am glad you're here today. Hopefully your Valentine's Day is off to a, a great start. Maybe you're those people who love to just take these holidays for what they're worth. Some of you are like, you don't have to mark. I'm not going to be a marketing guy. I'm not going to follow after the business marketing stuff. And I get it. Uh, I, I don't like to be told when I need to show love to my wife. But it is helpful as a reminder that we need to say loving and kind words to each other. So today is a day that uh, whether you, you go crazy and you buy all those things, uh, parents are buying, uh, note, writing notes and buying candy and, and things like that to tell their kids they love them. Husbands and wives are doing the same thing to let them know that they express each other's love at a bare minimum. Today should be a day that we, tr- we work hard at the things that we say, that they're loving and helpful and thoughtful. And so I thought what a better way on Valentine's Day to do a message while we're all focused on being loving and kind and thoughtful, why don't we talk about the dangers of hurtful communication? Here's why I'm doing it today. Chances are you're not going to mess up today, and so you've already got a day kind of under your belt, okay? For me, I've been married 26 years. Uh, this Thursday will be my wife and I's 26-year anniversary. <laughs> Woohoo! She's over there clapping too, yeah. We, we made it, honey, you know. Against all odds, you know, we were uh, high school sweethearts, so we dated for seven years in a wonderful relationship, met in church, uh, and uh, then we've been married now for 26 years. So 33 years of that lady's life, she's put up with my nonsense. And so I'm really grateful for that. I have a treasure in a bride, and I'm, so, I'm, I'm blessed, and I think we're doing pretty good, aren't we? Although I will say, this, this last, like a week ago, um, I began to wonder a little bit about our marriage, you know? Um, and I wore this jacket for a reason, because my wife likes to wear my clothes, especially my jackets, on cold mornings. And so the other day, she woke up early like she often does, and she makes the coffee and feeds the animals, and then she takes the puppy for a walk. And, and so she took the dog for a walk and, and um, you know, all that kind of stuff, and the dog did his business and all that. Well, wouldn't you know it that later I would wear this same jacket to work, and as I was, you know, getting, you know heading out the door and doing what you do, getting ready, you know, I reach in my pocket... And there's a bag of poop just in my pocket. And I thought, there's, first of all, I, I was trying to say, what is that? You know, first I was just kind of curious. Oh, is there's like, 
what is heavy? It's got some weight to it, you know, and I'm trying to see through the bag and it's soft. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and come to find out it's dog poop that she had left in my jacket and for a little treasure for me. And so I think our marriage is doing well. So that was either an accident, like she said, or it was just kind of like a kind of like, I got you. Don't you forget who, who wears the pants in this, ha- in this house. And so that's uh, a true story. Um, there was definitely poop in this pocket of this jacket. And uh, so people are saying, why would he wear a jacket to preach in? Well, that's it. That's, that's just for comic relief, if anything else. But um, we love our puppy. Uh, we should call him love our poopy, I think is what it's a better word. But, um, but we know that there is danger whenever we deal with hurtful and thoughtless communication within our home. You may have grown up in a situation like that. You may be uh, children in a home where that's taking place today. You may be a husband and a wife uh, where one of the, uh, the spouses uh, just can't seem to control what comes out of their mouth. And we have sometimes the right to remain silent, but uh, oftentimes we have the inability to remain silent. And we say things that can get us in trouble. So chances are um, you have uh, positive and negative examples of hurtful and thoughtless communication. As I promised in this message series, I would deal with the four big things that I spend time counseling couples with over the years. Uh, people who come to me and they're dealing with intimacy issues are often dealing with thoughtful, thoughtless and hurtful communication also with inside the home. Couples that are dealing with marital problems often stem back to hurtful and thoughtless communication. We also hear that in a lot of times that when we start having area, uh, difficult areas in our marriage, we begin to let our guard down in what we say to each other, and we lend ourselves over to being hurtful and thoughtless in our communication. But it's just not between spouses. It also happens um, with parents talking to their children, being hurtful and thoughtless leaving oftentimes lifelong wounds that will last forever, that only counselors are left to unravel uh, and pick up the pieces later on. We also know that it cuts the other way too, not just parents with their children, but as our children get older, they learn to get better in their verbal communication skills and they get a little braver in their communication skills and begin to practice disrespectful and hurtful in thoughtless language back to their parents. We also see that this takes place within siblings. It's common to have brothers and sisters and sisters uh, and brothers, uh, however you look at it, um, for them to argue as they grow up over the hairbrush and over who's wearing my clothes and who didn't put the toilet seat down and all these things, right? It's just common. But as our children get older, their fighting becomes more pronounced and becomes more personal. And while, we can elect, while that does have a tendency to heal itself when we're younger, um, how many people do you know that do not talk to their siblings today as adults because that hurtful and thoughtless communication has only ratcheted up and has created a wedge that no longer can be mended, it seems. And so hurt, hurtful and thoughtless communication is a dangerous place in our marriages, in our lives, in our home, and it has no place there. Your home should be the most special, loving, and nurturing environment there is. It doesn't mean that there's not truth-telling. It doesn't mean that there's not discipline. It doesn't mean that there's not correction or difficult conversations to have. It needs to be, however, the place where there is the most, the most love and nurture that takes place. 
And that means everyone inside that home needs and has a responsibility for that today. So this isn't just a message for marriage, married people. This is a message for anyone who lives underneath the roof of your home. Children, parents, and siblings, and spouses, we must take note of these words. Because hurtful words in the family are so much more painful. Why is that? Because you guys know the intimate details about one another. You know of people's mistakes and problems and challenges and struggles. And when we use hurtful words, we can use it against each other. And it just cuts so much deeper. It cuts to the, co- to the core. As our level of closeness increases, so does the amount of pain that I can bring to you. And so if, 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 we, if, if I was to see you on the road and, you were, and, and someone cuts you off on the side of the road and they begin to, to cuss you out or give you the bird finger, does it really hurt? No, it may make you mad, but it doesn't really cut to the core. You don't carry it to your heart all day long, do you? Why? Because you don't know that jerk or that person, sorry. You know, why do they call it the bird finger anyway? I, I mean, I guess because it represents foul language, so. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? When I was younger, I told my parents I wanted to be a comedian, and, and they said, you know, you, you, you won't make it as a comedian. And, well, they're not laughing now. So, um, did I get that joke right, finally? I, I don't know. I, that's, that's a good joke. I didn't come here to tell jokes, though. I came here to kind of get in your business. And so let me get back into that. Because the reality is, is that these hurtful words are bad. When it comes from people that we love, it really cuts deep. The closer you are to someone, the more that you can hurt their heart. Why is that? Because when I hear you, someone who I love and care about, when I hear you say something that cuts me and hurts me, it's because I perceive that those words came from your heart. And because we share a heart connection in our relationship, whether it's husband and wife or parents to kids or kids to parents, because we share a heart relationship, it transmits from your heart into my heart. That's why it hurts more. The closer we are in intimacy and friendship and a relationship, the more that your words can cut. It's not just sticks and stones may break my bones and I can say things that you're not going to, you know, you won't hurt me by what you say. No, listen, the more that that you and I are closer the more that these words will cut. Jesus tells us that our words come from our heart. Uh, he says in Matthew 12, verse 4, he says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your translation may say, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So we know that when, when bitterness and when anger and pain and intentional hard words come out, of our spouse's mouth or our children's mouth or our parents' mouth, it just hurts and it lasts. And the Bible warns us that we should guard our words because it has the power of both good and evil. We know that. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue can bring life or death. We know this from a military standpoint. We know this from uh, even uh, uh, evil dictators in other countries. Man, they just say one word and you're dead or you're alive. Your life is either taken away or is spared. The power of a judge as he would uh, give a a sentence and, and, and pass that sentence down upon someone. The power of life and death are in that judge's words. James would tell us, this is the half brother of Jesus. He would say these words in chapter three about the power of the tongue. God's word is full of so many warnings about our tongue. Here's a, a long narrative that James would write to us in James chapter three. 
We put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us. And we can turn the whole animal when we do that. Or take ships for an example. And although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants that ship to go. And likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Well, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the body parts. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of life, of one's life on fire. Have you ever met someone who's just destroyed their career because they couldn't control their tongue? There's an example of it. It's, it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. We just worshiped him together in this room. And with that same tongue, we curse human beings who are made by God in his likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Well, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The tongue is a powerful and dangerous thing. It's strategic, it's intentional, and it's hurtful, and it can bring destruction. And we have to learn how to protect that. Inside the marketplace where you work, whether you're a business owner or whether you're a project manager or a district manager or an individual contributor, you may find that the the use of your boldness in your tone and in your tongue may be helpful in your business. If you have a team to motivate or you're working with a difficult group of people or maybe you're a coach of an NFL football team and they just have to say sometimes these words to get everyone's attention. The tongue can be used strategically in order to do that. And I'm not uh, you know, saying that the methods are right, but I'm just saying you, you understand the example of that. But whether it's effective in your business it, or, or in, your, in the marketplace or at wherever you work or serve or whatever team you're on, it is not good practice to allow our tongues to be unbridled at home. Your home should be the place that brings love and peace and grace and joy, but it is also a place where you do need to have crucial conversations. But all those conversations need to be done gently so that those things can be heard and felt in your family's heart. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. If someone speaks to you harshly, doesn't it just boil your blood? Whether it's somebody you know and love and care about, but boy, even, but even total strangers, it can boil your blood. A gentle answer deflects that rage. And so with such power, that means that we should think before we speak. Because if we don't, God's word says that we're fools. Listen to what it says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? That's someone who can't control their temper or their tongue, and they just blah, 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 say whatever they're going to say. God's word says there is more hope for a fool than for them. There's danger in that. I think that we all can look back in the history of our lives and find a soundbite or two where we spoke in haste and we said things that we shouldn't have said, whether it be at work 
whether it be to our children or whether it be to our parents or whether it be to our spouse. Proverbs 15, 18 says that a hot-tempered person starts fights and a cool-tempered person stops them. Do you find that much of your communication in your, with your bride or your husband seems to always end in some type of fight? We may need to evaluate our temper and the words that we choose because a cool-tempered person can stop the fights. Are those conversations helpful and necessary? Yes, oftentimes. But they're not necessarily required to be hot-tempered in order to accomplish that. There are literally dozens and dozens of verses that God's Word warns us about our tongue. He created our tongue. He knows the power of our tongue. He knows the danger of our tongue. It's important for us to pay attention to it. There's something I've said many times, but it was in a different context. And today I'm going to build upon that phrase. And the statement is usually said around um, purity and keeping our, our minds pure and pornography and those things that come into play. And it's something I've taught my kids when they were younger. I said that you can't unsee something that you've seen, right? If you've ever struggled in those areas, it's like, ah, oh, I wish I could just erase it. But it's like a DVR in our brain. Whether it's a tragic thing or whether it's uh, illicit material, or whether it's just something that's just wrong and some injustice, you're just like, I saw it and I, I can't unsee it. But along with that, in the context of what we're talking about today, it's not just that I can't just unsee it. You can't unsay it. You can't unsay something that's been said. And you can't unhear something that has been said to you that you heard. And you can't un, um, you can't unwrite something that you have written, and you can't unread something that you have read. How many times have we read something or said something or heard something and it just like, in every conversation you're going to have with that person from this point on, it's just there. It's just there. It's painful. If you know how painful it is to receive it, we must be smart and wise to be careful on how we use those things when we give it. Sadly, so many of us do a good job filtering what we say at work. We do a better job saying, filtering what we're going to say at work than what we do at home. If some of you disrespected your boss like you disrespected your bride, you'd be out of a job. It's important for us to get this right. If kids, if you disrespected your principal like you did your parents, you'd be in big trouble. We must guard our hearts. Write this down if you don't mind. Thoughtless and hurtful words, they are verbal abuse. Thoughtless and hurtful words, call it what it is. It's verbal Abuse. It's painful. It's hard to forget. And it's hard to forgive. And if you're in a home or a situation where this happens on a daily basis or some type of semi routine basis, over time it builds resentment to such a degree because you can't unhear what you've heard, you can't unread what's been written. 
You can't unsay what's been said. These things last and lock inside our hearts. They say that um, honesty is good for the soul and bad for the reputation. So let me go ahead and step into that today for me personally. In full transparency, about 10 years ago, I, I, um, I lost my temper with my kids. It happens, you know. I love my children. I am blessed to have incredible kids, but at times they're kids and they're, you know, they were arguing with each other. And I, I sadly, I barely remember the full context. That tells you how unimportant it was. But while I can't remember what started it, I can remember my response to it. And it still today breaks my heart. They needed discipline, but I snapped at them and I yelled at them and I scared them. Coming from my home where I was raised and with my, uh, my biological dad and my mom, there was a lot of abusive words that were there. And I know the feeling that that brings to me. And boy, I felt that temperament in me rising up that day. And my kids were scared. Dad's yelling at us and kind of seeming like he snapped like a dry branch, you know. And that was 10 years ago. My son would have been 10. The girls would have been about seven years old. And as much as I regretted that moment, I've repented, I've apologized, they've forgiven me. But the crazy thing is they haven't forgotten. Probably about seven days ago, I don't know how long it's been, but it was very recent. We were eating dinner as a family. I don't know what triggered it. One of my kids said, do you remember that day that dad totally snapped? And my heart sank. Because I'm like, that was 10 years ago. Why are we talking about it because for me it was painful and I'm sorry they didn't deserve that but that's what happened and it has lasting impact and effect so I wonder with my transparency look I, I you know you may think less of me but maybe you will have a place in which you and I can connect because maybe you've done that maybe you've done it more recent than 10 years ago Is there something that you've said or that you regret that you wish you hadn't said to your wife or to your husband or to your kids or to your parents? And does it bother you that they're going to remember that a long, long time? Your home should be the safest place, the place of love, a place of great relationship, a place of grace, a place of forgiveness. I pray that If you've made mistakes, that you would seek repentance. But even with that repentance, the memory will still live on from what it said. I've told my kids also that trust spends in dollars but earns back in pennies. In a lot of ways, when we hurt people with our words, it spends in dollars as well. But it earns back in pennies. Sometimes it takes years to be able to help people see that your heart's different. Because when I say things that are mean. They come from my heart and they land inside the heart of my wife and they land inside the heart of my kids. And it's going to take time for that wound to heal because they can't unhear what they've heard. They can't unread what was written and they can't unsee what they've seen or unsay what has been said to them. I don't know why it is, but we live in a generation where people are just getting meaner and meaner especially what they type. I, I, when I, whenever I see someone's cracked phone screen, I'm thinking, oh, they probably are like so mad texting all the time. 
Oh, yeah, that Facebook post, let me tell you, when I think about that, you know, and crack, you know. I wish they would just crack right there at the thumb line and have some announcement going, you're too angry to text somebody. <laughs> some of you will say the most hurtful things on text messages and email, but if we were to have just that conversation in person, it would be a whole different game. Have you ever met somebody like that? They write something, and they're like, all big, bold, and bad. But then when you finally talk to them, they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I'm all right, man. No big deal. Like, well, which one is it? You know, I don't know. Who am I talking to? Let me see your thumbs. The calluses must be so big. We got to be slow to speak because we do this to people, and then it just seems to be naturally transmitting over into our families. Ephesians chapter 6, 4 hit me like a dagger to my heart and still does whenever I think about that day that I snapped, it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Yes, discipline and instruction are necessary. And my kids needed discipline and instruction that day, but I, I overdid it. And I did it from the wrong heart. It was hurtful and it was thoughtless. And it had a long-term effect on them. Isn't it interesting how our hurtful and thoughtless words have long-term effects? They have cascading effects, not just in your immediate family, but they have cascading effects into your extended family. And the family has to pay the price for that. Here's, here's an example. Have you, have you ever been to a family gathering and, and um, kind of a domestic kind of moment kind of sets off somewhere in the house? You know, you're having a family gathering and the husband and wife over here in the corner Maybe it's, you know, your in-laws or somebody, but all of a sudden they're like fighting and everyone's uncomfortable. And they're like, they have no, they have no ability to like, can we talk about this later? No, we're doing it now. Oh, we're doing it now. And everyone in the house would rather be tied to an anthill than have to be at this party any longer. We just want out. You know, have you ever been in a situation like that? It's painful. The other thing is, is that these broken family relationships, they, they complicate all future gatherings. If you and, and, and someone else have a falling out with inside the family, it's your problem, right? It's your problem. No, it's not just your problem. It becomes the family's problem. Because now I can't invite you over to my house because, and I can't invite you and them over to my house together. Why? Because you guys don't speak to each other anymore. So therefore, I have to invite you. But if they find out, so don't post any social media, don't post social media pictures that you're here, because if they find out that I've had a party with you in my house, then somehow I'm in trouble. And we can't have Christmas this year at, at one house like we've always done in the past, because right now, mom and dad or, or aunt and uncle or sister and brother, I mean, they're at full odds. And so what we're going to do is we'll do Christmas Eve over here, and we'll just make sure that they know that no, so-and-so is not going to come. But then we're going to have the same party again. We'll have the same cake again. We'll have the same ham again. I don't, but in order to make everyone happy, look, your problem bleeds over into the whole family's problem. And so when you refuse to deal with the broken relationship inside your family structure, you're in effect saying this, I refuse to take care and deal with this issue that I've caused and seek forgiveness. I refuse to deal with this now so that the rest of you and my family can deal with this for the rest of your life. That's in effect what we're saying. I'm not going to fix this, but I'll let you guys try to manage it from now on until eternity. That's not the way it should be. Fortunately, God's word gives us a way to manage these things. Forgiveness is one. He asks us to seek forgiveness. 
And as Christians, we need to extend forgiveness when someone seeks forgiveness. And sometimes you just have to forgive even before they seek it. But James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 tells us another way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Do you know that you're a quick-tempered person? Chances are you do. Sometimes you snicker about it. That's just who I am. How is that helping and how is that working in your marriage? Take the chip off your shoulder and realize that I need to be slow to speak and slow to get angry. Here's the part of the message where I want to remind husbands and wives and children. There's no elbow saying, listen to what the pastor's saying. Because let me tell you right now, that does not be, that's not received well on the other side. And so right now, if you are someone who has someone in your home who needs to hear this message, just sit silently and let the Holy Spirit do their work. If you're someone who knows that you're a short-tempered person who've said things that you wish you'd never said, sit silently and let the Holy Spirit work inside your heart right now. Maybe he's brought you here to adjust your thinking and your manner of speech. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27 says, In your anger, don't sin. That means anger exists, but we don't have to always sin because of it. Anger is a natural human thing. But our response to anger needs to be a way that doesn't lead us to sin. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Psalms 4, 4 says, be angry and don't sin. There it is again. But listen to what else it tells us to do as we ponder this in our own hearts and on your beds and be silent. Sometimes it's important for us not to speak when we're angry. And I, when I read this verse, I immediately think of my bride. Because when she's angry at me, she doesn't speak to me. Any husbands in the room with their wives giving the silent treatment when they're mad? Uh, you guys are too, you're too scared to say something, aren't you? I see a couple of you. <laughs> and, you know, as, as, much as, um, as much as that's painful to me, what, what's happening in our home is that my wife is practicing this very thing. Is that my wife comes from a, a very Irish family who loves to fight. And they do. They just love it. But my bride's not a physical fighter, but she knows that she has the ability to let her words run wild. And in 26 years, I can, and I mean this not because she's sitting in the room, in 26 years, she has never spoken to me in a disrespectful, hurtful way. That's amazing. What a gift. What a treasure. But there are times when she won't speak to me. And the reason that I can boast that for 26 years she's never spoken to me in that way is because in those times where she's silent, it's, it's her taking this to God and allowing her to be slow to speak so she doesn't say something that she can't unsay that speaks from her heart out of anger and lands in my heart permanently. What a treasure. What a treasure. My wife also knows the importance, because it is important sometimes to have crucial conversations. It's not that we don't have arguments and discussions. But for Jana, she knows that there are times when you have to disrupt a moment of peace in the family in order for us to have a lifelong of happiness together. There's some things that we just have to stop the flow, even though it may be a little uncomfortable. And let's have a crucial conversation now but it's going to make our marriage so much better down the road. And those conversations, when they're done in love, they're received well, 
They don't end in an explosive argument. And they put us on a better track of being healthy together. I'm blessed because I have a bride like that. I don't have that temperament, and I've learned some bad lessons over, over the life of our marriage. But as we celebrate our anniversary together, I'm just reminded what a treasure that is. And this is what I want for you to be able to experience. Words have the power of life and death, and your home should be the place where life-giving words are spoken. Proverbs 16.24 says, Kind words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another and tender-hearted, and forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven you. Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is the tree, is a tree of life, but a perverse or harsh tongue crushes the spirit. It should be a life-giving, loving place where you speak truth and love. I've always told you, truth and love ages well. And so when you have to have those crucial conversations, think about what you're going to say to your children. Process how it's going to feel in their heart before you say it. Think about what you're going to say to your parents and process in your heart how it's going to make them feel before you say it. Think about what you're going to say to your spouse and process in your heart what it's going to feel like for your spouse to hear it when you say it. Speaking the words in love are always going to age well. And if they know that you love them, Proverbs 27, 6 says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes a friend has to say hurtful things, not to be hurtful, but because they need to get your attention or, or, or awaken your, your mind to understand what it is that you're doing. Colossians 4 says, let your speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. Because Proverbs 12, 18 says, there's so much scripture about this. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Think of the graphic, nat- the graphic nature of that, those, that word picture. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How would your children describe you in the way that you communicate? Like a sword thrust? Or like someone who brings healing? How would your wife describe you? How would your husband describe you? Because we remember those healing words, don't we? You ever had your parents just sit down and love on you and tell you words of just encouragement and healing? Or your wife do that for you? It's just, man, you never forget, you never forget what was said, and you'll never forget where it was said, where you were standing or sitting when it happens. How important it is for us to pay attention to the things that we say. But not just the things we say. There's nonverbal communication too. Teenagers are the best. And they're refining nonverbal communication. Like every, you know, it's like, one of my favorites, you know, or the mocking. You said it didn't tap that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you. I know, I know, I know. Imagine going to work tomorrow and your boss says, hey, the report, the end of the month report's not here. <laughs> Man, the report's not done this week. <laughs> it's just fun to do that. Sometimes they look in the mirror and just go. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to screenshot my face and meet, 
this is what my pastor looks like when he preaches, so please don't do that. I already have a self, <laughs> a self-worth problem, though. Just take it easy on me. I love you. I'm going to write you back something big is what I'll do, but... <laughs> We got to be careful with our nonverbal communication, the rolling of eyes, and, I, and we we all get it because we were teenagers once where we where we did that, right? We we get it. It's it's kind of the mocking response, but there is such power and such immaturity in the way that we do this with our spouses. There you go again, rolling my eyes. Here, let me give you a pro tip. Husbands, no matter what you're doing with home improvement in your home or someone helping a friend, your bride is going to call you while you're on a ladder. Your bride is going to call you in the worst possible moment. Your bride is going to call you at work when you're in the middle of a meeting. And likewise, you'll do the same to her in her craziest and toxic moments. There was a time when your spouse's interruptions were the highlight of your day, and you're like, hey... But as you get older in marriage, you're like, I can't believe you're calling me. Rah, 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 rah. And all your friends around you are just thinking, what a jerk he is to his wife. There'll always be those interruptions. Let's just manage that perception because I know that you don't hate each other. But over time, somehow we've forgotten that we've got to be extra careful in the way that we treat each other at home. Your home should be a sacred place of honest and loving communication, of truth-speaking and truth-telling, loving conversation, not mocking, not hateful. Here's some things to put into practice. I'm just going to read them to you real quick. You can take notes on these if you want to. The first thing we need to do is be slow to speak. James tells us that. If you know that you struggle with your tongue, begin every day with prayer, asking God to help guard your tongue. If you've already blown it with your spouse, even if it's a long time ago, or something's just bothering you right now, sitting in your crawl, you're just thinking, man, I just, I know that my wife's probably thinking about this situation. Well, be the bigger person in the relationship and confess that to them and seek forgiveness. If you know you've done this with your kids, do the same thing. If you struggle at night when you get home from work and you're tired, pray in the driveway before you walk in the door. It's your highest and most important responsibility as a parent pray before you go in. The next thing is never say, don't, stop saying those uh, inflammatory words like, you never ever da, blah blah or you always blah blah blah. When you use never and always, immediately it puts the other person to go, well, that's not true. I don't always do that. I don't, I just never do that because we immediately think of the four times in our life where we did it <laughs> and I can't wait for you to shut up so I can just tell you my four times. Those are inflammatory phrases. Stop using past mistakes as ammunition towards each other. Don't assume that you know their motives for what they've said. Ask questions. Don't bring up ancient history. If you've forgiven it, don't resurrect it. And lastly, there's no excuse for being disrespectful to our kids and family in the first place. But at all costs, don't do it publicly because it hurts your character and it shows your family in a poor light. Fix it in both places, but just know that we've got to take care of that in a big way. 
So let me, hear, let me close this message by just asking you a couple questions. How could your marriage improve if you were to adjust this area of your life? Do you recognize that you may have a problem in this area? Are you here today and your, your listening ears are on and you're thinking, man, I, I hope my wife isn't thinking about all these ways that my mind's thinking. Well, she might be. Wives, if you're here today and you've said some things and you're like, oh, I hope my husband's not rehearsing in his mind about this. Children, parents, the same thing. What I don't want you to do is get in the car and start a fight over it. But I do think it's healthy if you know there's something's inside your heart that you've not sought forgiveness for. To simply take the hand of your spouse or your children, especially if they've all heard this message. It doesn't require a huge explanation, but just the simple, honest words that say, please forgive me. The list is long of all the ways that I've broken these things, and I want our home to be the most loving and, and special and encouraging place there is. Forgive me because I love you, and I've gotten my words in the way of our relationship. I pray that we can make some course corrections But just like I said before, that trust spends in dollars and earns in pennies, our harsh words spend in dollars and they earn back in pennies. Just because I said something to you, it cost me a lot when I said that. It cost our relationship a lot. And I don't expect this to all be fixed overnight. But there's something about it. If if I hurt my wife and I said something that I wish I hadn't said, I spent in dollars. I just kind of want after two or three times of being nice that she's forgotten all of it, but it doesn't. It earns back in pennies. It takes sometimes a long time for us to undo the negative things that we've spoken into our kids and our lives. There's work there to be done. If you're on the offending side, it takes time, but don't give up because it will lead you to a beautiful place. Let me pray for you. Father, Thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to open your word. Lord, as the rain falls upon this property, I think to myself of how right now your rain can forgiveness has fallen on each one of us. It's washed us clean, Father. And I know that it can also do the same thing in our family relationships. That when forgiveness is given, it can cover a multitude of sins and we can start over fresh again. There's many in the room, Father, that just need to seek forgiveness to their spouse or to their parents or to their children. I pray that we'll be bold enough to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow. What an idea. What a question. How how would that change your marriage? How would that change your relationship with your kids or your parents? How might that change your relationship with your boss or your coworkers? I'm so thankful for Pastor Steve and how he's brought such a practical message today. I know it, that hits me. Those, those questions are ones I'm going to have to grapple with this week. Because I'm going to have to think about, and I've already begun to think about, what those questions mean for me. The, those moments of frustration sarcasm tiredness what is the impact that I'm having when I speak those things wow what a practical thing to take away from 
because we think about how our words matter in our families and our words matter in our job. And if this is something that we can grapple with, if this is something that we can begin to grow in, then our lives are going to be changed. Our community is going to be changed. Our job is going to be changed. For some, you're hearing that and you're thinking, you know what? Yeah, but I've tried. I know that I have a temper. I know that I shouldn't say that. I know my humor just rubs the wrong way. I get it. I've hurt people and I've tried, but I don't have the strength to change. Well, the good news is that we serve a God who loves us, broken just the way we are, imperfect just the way we are. And he stands with arms wide open, says, I know you don't have the strength, but I love you and I want to come beside you. I want a relationship with you so that we can walk through this together. If that's something that you're interested in, uh, we want to come beside you. We want to equip you. If right now you're thinking, you know what, I don't have the strength to control and tame my tongue. But it's time for me to surrender and let God do a good work in me. I want to invite you to text the word surrender to 97000. Whether you're here online, whether you're here in the room, just text that word surrender. We're going to equip you with resources. They're going to allow you to do that. Because when we begin to do this in our lives, when we begin to grow and to heal from all the things that our words have afflicted on others, it will change our lives. And it will change our job and our family and our community. Imagine that one word at a time, one day at a time, we see life change. That's what happens when the kingdom of God intersects our life. And that that life change is what we want to celebrate. It's what we're all about. That's why we're so thankful for those of you who have given to God's kingdom. Because when you give, you're saying, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be what you're about. I want that kind of life change. And so thank you for your faithfulness. If that kind of life change excites you, I want to invite you to participate. You can give by a text. You can give on the website, on our app or right here in person for those who are in the room. But know that God is about life change. And he wants to intersect with your life today, at your home, in your marriage, in the workplace. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you later, North Point. 